This is Todd Simmons, Chief Vision Officer for Courageous Leadership Alliance, and you are listening to the Shadow Podcast. Hey, Shadows listeners. If you're looking to make some extra income that also impacts people, then you need to look at becoming a certified leadership coach with Giant. If you don't already know, Giant has been in the leadership space for over 13 years. I got certified through Giant in 2018, and I've been teaching ever since. Just to give you some context, they used to own and operate the John Maxwell brands. They ran the LeaderCast conferences where Jim Collins, Henry Cloud, Malcolm Gladwell, and Simon Sinek, just to name a few, were regular speakers. They have over 500 coaches worldwide, working in over 127 countries, and are being hired by companies like Google, Chick-fil-A, Pfizer, Delta, and more. And yes, you can do this too. I know this might sound intimidating, but Giant will literally give you everything you need to start your own coaching business from scratch. You get hands-on training from top-level coaches to learn the exact methodology and tools that six-figure coaches are using. You get an all-in-one online platform to run your entire coaching business, even if you want to work 100% remotely. And you'll get to join a thriving community of coaches from all around the world. To get started, Giant is hosting a coaching business workshop to help you learn the ins and outs of how to build a successful coaching business. This is both for experienced coaches, consultants, and those who are looking to start coaching and consulting with little to no experience. If you wanna hear the really good news, this whole workshop, it's free, 100% free. And you can reserve your spot by going to giant.tv forward slash shadows. Why not give it a shot? What's better than making a positive change in people's lives and making some extra money in the process? Giant launches a new hiring cohort every month. Now, they only have 20 coaching slots available each month, so it's first come, first serve. So go ahead and make sure you reserve your spot. If you're ready to make an impact and get paid doing it, go to giant.tv forward slash shadows, giant.tv forward slash shadows. Hello, everyone. My name is Caleb Pearson, and I am your guardian of the torch and host of the Ignite podcast. It's been a minute. We've been out for a little bit, but that's okay because we are coming back quick with season two soon to come here this October. Look for us. We will be featuring guests such as Trip Bodenheimer, Scott Mason, Oleg Lohi, and some of my own mentors like Chief Duggar, now retired, Kimberly Hayes, and of course, the wonderful and always delightful Shay Sparks. Continue to follow us, see what we're doing. Season two of the Ignite podcast is coming soon. We're gonna be kicking it off, going live, and then posting for your listening pleasure whenever you want to, streaming on all podcast platforms, and I will keep the light on on the torch. Hey everyone, this is Trip Bodenheimer, host of the Shadows Podcast. If you've ever been one of our guests here on the show, you notice that I'm always chugging down some coffee during the interviews. That's right. Buymeacoffee.com forward slash Shadows Podcast is where you can go if you want to help support the show. Buy me a cup of coffee. Everything that we do here on the Shadows Podcast, it comes out of pocket, Caleb and myself, but you can go on to buymeacoffee.com forward slash shadows podcast and if you like the content that we're putting out if you want to support the show you can buy one three five or you know a thousand cups of coffee for us uh, anything you can give greatly appreciated uh, we love pumping out this content we love the feedback that we're receiving from everybody and if you go to our website theshadowspodcast.com. If you look down the left-hand corner, you'll see a little yellow coffee cup. You can click on that. It'll take you directly to the site. We can buy us a cup of coffee. And guess what? Not only will we drink your coffee on the air, we'll also give you a shout out as well on a future episode of the Shadows Podcast. This week on the Shadows Podcast, Tom Boskowski joins us for the tragedy and triumph of Todd Boskowski. This episode is filled with emotions. Todd is a trauma and PTSD survivor. He's the author of My Two Angels, Turning Tragedy into Triumph, which you can pre-order. And he's an Air Force veteran. 
He's been featured on several crime shows, such as Forensic Files. But at the age of five, Todd's father murdered his mother. Then four years to the day, his father murdered his stepmother. Todd walks us through the aftermath, which included his father's arrest, the media attention it drew, and the adoption process that he and his siblings went through. He also opens up about an active shooter incident that took place in Hampton in 2006, which involved saving a young boy a day before he deployed. Also, he talks about what transpired during his time in Afghanistan that ultimately led to him deciding to separate from the military. Todd is a remarkable success story, and we appreciate him opening up during this episode of the tragedy and triumph of Todd Boskowski. All right, I want to welcome everybody to another episode of the Shadows Podcast. I'm your host, Trip Bodenheimer. And this week, we are here for the tragedy and triumph of Todd Boskowski. Did I say that okay? Yes. He is a trauma PTSD survivor. He's an author, speaker, entrepreneur. He's a veteran. He's a founder of Trauma Hackers. Sir, welcome to the Shadows Podcast. Thanks a lot, Trip. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be yeah. on here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, we got we got linked up, I think, back in Instagram back uh, a couple months back. It was and, either Instagram uh, or uh, Clubhouse. Clubhouse. I think it was Instagram and then went to Club or, or Clubhouse, then oh, to Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, and you know, I've been looking forward to this one. Uh, he has uh, an incredible story that he's going to sit here and and share with everybody today. And but before we get into that, we're going to start off with some rapid fire questions. He doesn't know. We haven't. I haven't. Uh, tip my hand as to what these questions are. Are you ready? I'm, ready? I'm up for the challenge. Let's do it. You could recommend one movie series for somebody to watch over a weekend. What movie series are you going to recommend to them? Movie series? Mm-hmm. So it's got to be like a trilogy then, Like right? a trilogy or more, yeah. Um, I am a I, I I am an action kind of person, so um, I do enjoy the the Jason Bourne series. Okay, I thought you were gonna go with like Die Hard or something when you started saying like action, action and thriller. That's that's where I like. That's what I like. Okay, all right. You get two tickets, two plane tickets. I love to ask this question. Two plane tickets. One ticket you can return somewhere. The other ticket somewhere you've never been. Where do you go? Um, for the ticket that I've never been, uh, the Maldives, um, it's definitely on my bucket list. And then to go back to somewhere, um, San Antonio, you know, San Antonio is where I had boot camp. Uh, it's where I had my technical training as well. I really enjoyed being at San Antonio, um, and so, yeah, wouldn't mind going back there too. What time of the year were you there for basic training? I was there from July until November. So you had some hot weather. I was I was there July to August, and it was brutal. Yeah. It was brutal. Have you have you been back since basic? Um, yeah, once I had to go back for advanced training. I was there for like two weeks, and that was yeah. my first time going back since boot camp and I had a blast. I still yeah. had a blast. Um, and maybe it was because, you know, I wasn't there for, I wasn't technically in training. You weren't yet. in blues. Right. Right. So it was a completely different, you know, so much more freedom. Um, but I also got the opportunity to take a tour of like, um, people who were at boot camp. I went to like a chow hall and just like a rush of, you know, memories of boot camp. <laughs> I went back for a conference like two years ago and I was only there for like a day or two, but I remember walking around the river walk and I was like, gosh, last time I was here, I was in my blues, like so polite and, you know, helping everybody on and off the boat fresh out of basic. And now I have like all this flexibility to walk wherever I want. <laughs> it, it did feel weird. All right. Favorite cereal. Favorite cereal, um, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. That's why we got you on here. <laughs> That's a good answer. 
I've started doing uh, cinnamon toast crunch with pancakes. Ooh. You sprinkle it on some paint. It's good. It's a cheat day. Something you will avoid at all cost. This is going to sound so trivial. Um, <laughs> and it's so stupid. Um, bees. Um, I hate yeah. bees. Uh, if you see me and a bee comes around me, I turn into the biggest wimp ever. Um, and I just try to completely avoid bees. I don't like bees. Get away from me. Um, I'll do whatever it is. Um, I think one time um, I had a bee stuck in between my screen door and my actual door, and I was too afraid to go (laughs) out. So I literally stayed in my house like half the day um, just because I didn't want to go out. Uh, (laughs) I didn't want to go anywhere near the bee. That's how deathly afraid of bees I actually am. What about wasp? Bees, wasps, all the yeah. Way. It's Any got a stinger. Of, yep, yep. Any kind of classification of a bee, no, thank you. Get away from me. When I was uh, deployed, I woke up. I was in uh, Cyprus. That's that was my deployment, and I had this room to myself, and I had like a living room, a little hallway, and a bedroom. It was not a deployment by any means, but I woke up and there was two bees flying around my room, and I quickly got out of there. I was like, I'll go get some food. I I was like, I'll come back. They'll be gone. I came back. There was like eight. And what happened was they were coming through the AC unit into um, my room. So it got to where I probably had about 20 of them. And when I called and asked, it was a Sunday, I called and asked if I get, you know, someone to come get them out. And they were like, no, um, that's not our job. And they said, but we can move you to a new room tomorrow. I was like, (laughs) so you want me to sleep in there with these? I was like, no, not at all. Well, you have survived the rapid fire. I told you it wasn't bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't bad. But now the listeners are here. It's for your uh, story of your the journey through life that you've had. So for our listeners that do not know you or your story, 90-second elevator ride. How would you describe your journey? My life story definitely is interesting. Um, my father murdered my mother when I was five years old. Um, The law enforcement officials were suspicious. Uh, They didn't have anything to go on. Um, My father picked up the pieces of his life. Um, He got remarried. That woman adopted me and my siblings. Uh, She became my stepmother. And exactly four years later, to the day, I mind you, um, he murdered my stepmother. in a very similar fashion. Um, and on right around my 10th birthday, my father was arrested and was um, charged with murder um, for both my mother and my stepmother. He would go on to get convicted of killing both of them. Um, he was on death row uh, for a while until his death sentence was overturned. Um, he was serving two life sentences back to back Um, And then in 2018, he was paroled on one of them. Um, So he is still serving a life sentence in Pennsylvania uh, for my stepmother's murder. Um, While growing up, I was um, completely oblivious to, to, you know, the majority of this. Um, You know, the the media attention was definitely there pretty, pretty early on. Um, and, but, you know, it wasn't until after I joined the military, um, and, you know, started to dive deeper, um, about my own story. Did I start to, you know, really find things out for myself? Well, first of all, I appreciate you opening up and and sharing that, you know, we're not going to go too deep into, um, you know, what transpired with your father and everything, but, you know, one of the things I wanted to do was uh, to celebrate, you know, your mother and your, your stepmother on here. Like, what are some things that you remember most about your mother? I know you were a young age, you were five years old, or that you've been told. Um, I mean, so, and that's, that's kind of like the funny part is, is, uh, you know, with my mom, um, I was a huge, huge mama's boy. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the baby of, of the family. I, I'm the youngest out of me and my siblings. Um, and the word goes is that I pretty much was a spoiled brat. I was a spoiled little boy. 
Um, I still get teased by my brother and sister to this day because there's a very specific temper, temper tantrum that I threw um, as a child. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the convenience store Circle K. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, I would scream, pout and cry um, multiple times during the week um, because I wanted to go to Circle K to get candy and um, I knew that if I cried long enough, my mom would give in and take me. So, um, <laughs> so it was that kind of a, a, a spoiled baby. I was mama's little, little, little boy. And, um, you know, I knew that she would usually give in and, and cater to me pretty much with whatever I wanted. Um, sometimes, you know, when she would, uh, get upset or whatnot, I would, you know, I would throw temper tantrums. Sometimes I'd get my way. Other times I wouldn't. Yeah. And your mother, Elaine, right? Yes. And they lived in North, y'all lived in North Carolina at the time. Yeah. I was born in, um, right outside Pittsburgh. Um, and then when I was about a year or two old, um, you know, a family decision was made to move to North Carolina. Um, you know, my father had had some medical things going on and he he may uh, have needed um, a medical procedure involving his heart later on in his life. And mm -hmm. um, at the time he was running a dental business. And so mm -hmm. because my mother wasn't certified to, you know, take over the business, if something medically would happen, um, you know, they they needed to adjust course, um, do something that would, you know, do something where if something needed to, to be done medically that she could kind of step in and fill the role and without having to go through certifications and, you know, yeah. um, more um, specialized training, if you will. Where in North Carolina did y'all live? Uh, it was Greensboro, North Carolina. Greensboro, ACC country. Yeah. Yeah. I was in Lumberton for a long time. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Were you Tar Heel Duke fan? Uh, Tar Heel. Hey, there we go. <laughs> there we go. If you said Duke, I was going to end this right now. I was just going to be like, well, this was a good episode. Let's can it. So what else do you uh, remember about your mom? Um, pretty much just that. I mean, you know, memories are kind of tough because I was um, so young. Um, but, uh, you know, my parents were uh, planning on getting a divorce. Um, you know, I, I didn't know what that really meant. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't understand it. Um, and so, but I do remember, uh, them sitting my siblings and I down and, um, having some kind of a discussion and, um, I didn't understand any of that. Um, but you know, I, I would soon, it was, it was literally only a few months after that discussion where, you know, um, my mom died. And so, you know, from that standpoint, I didn't even really know what that meant either. Um, you know, I, I had no concept of, of death, really. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I thought that at some point she'd be coming back. Um, you know, I, I specifically remember being told, like, no, she's not coming back. So um, and, and that was definitely um, tough. And, you know, it, it was more or less kind of like shell shocking um, and didn't know what to think. Um, what I was told was, you know, it was, it was an accident. Um, and that's, that's pretty much it really was, you know, my mom slipped and fell in, 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 in a bathtub and, and that was, uh, that was the end of it. Um, you know, I had no reason to, um, suspect anything else especially at that age you know i i couldn't even con graph i couldn't even grasp the concept of death itself let alone yeah. other complex um situations so but uh after that um you know my family my dad moved our family back up to pittsburgh where where we were originally from where the majority of our family is uh we moved back up um, soon after, um, he started dating another woman. Um, and that woman was Mary, Mary Marianne, right? Marianne. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, she, she had very, a very striking physical um, resemblance to my mom. And, you know, that, that was an oddly comforting feeling for me because, mm -hmm. you know, I had already been previously told, Hey, she's never coming back. Like, like I said, the concept of death to me was, um, you know, was very, was very, um, it was very limited. You know, I, I, I couldn't understand that. And so whenever I was told, Hey, she's not coming back, but Hey, Hey, here's someone who is very, very similar, um, in physical stature, you know, how she lived her life. Um, you know, both, both of these, uh, women, you know, grew up in the Catholic church. Um, you know, they had a striking physical resemblance. And so it was almost like I was getting my mom back. Um, and so, um, so my dad and, and Marianne dated, um, and then I'd say about eight, nine months, maybe even less than a year, um, after they dated, uh, they got engaged. Um, they got married, a uh, a year after that, um, you know, I, I was actually part of that wedding. Um, we moved into a, a brand new house. We, we built a house. Well, you know, Marianne and my dad built a house. It was in a newer housing development, um, you know, and, and, and at that time, that was the, um, that was probably the, the biggest house uh, and the newest house that I've lived in my whole life. So, you know, from, from that standpoint, I started to, you know, kind of see that I had this viewpoint of, I already had some tragedy in my life, but things were progressively getting better, you know? Um, I, I was getting a new mom, I had a new house. My dad went back to his roots and went back to, you know, his dental business and, you know, that was doing pretty well. Um, and so I, I also had, um, you know, a group of friends, the, the neighborhood that we lived in, I had friends. And so, you know, I had this, um, I, I, I use this term a lot, um, but it, it is true. I, I look at that time period and I can kind of see it as kind of like the, the all American family, the all American yeah. dream right? My, my father had his own business. Uh, you know, we had an, uh, a nice new house in a new neighborhood. Um, you know, we, we were a Catholic um, church going family. Uh, we, we went to church every single Sunday. Um, my, my stepmom sang in the church choir. She taught religious education classes. Um, and so, but um, then around, yeah, my, my 10th birthday, um, uh, a week before that, um, you know, the day that I learned that my stepmom had died, it kind of started off as kind of odd. Um, and as the day progressed, it got more odd. And then, you know, my, my dad sat uh, my siblings and I down once again and um, had mentioned that my stepmom had died in an accident in our family hot tub. Um, and it was like a rush of just you know, how and why is this happening again? Um, yeah. You know, again, I, I, I understood death a little bit more, but again, I, I, didn't, I didn't understand everything that else that was going on. Um, the media had, you know, started to pick up uh, the story a little bit. I remember the very night that, um, you know, my stepmom, I was told about my stepmom's death, um, I saw my dad up on, on the late night news. There's a uh, shot of him uh, walking from the police station and, you know, the news reporters were talking about, you know, uh, a death. And I was just, it was, it was just so bizarre to me. Um, and yeah, even, you know, shortly after, you know, whenever he was arrested, um, you know, I, I just couldn't make any sense of that. Um, and, you know, the image of, the image that I had of my father was, you know, he was a tall lurpy. Yes. He was on the kind of like the goofy kind of like, mm -hmm. um, I, I guess in a way to kind of give you a picture, he had kind of like this Mr. Magoo kind of like personality. 
um, and also in the way that he dressed as well. And I just couldn't picture how someone like that could, how someone could ever think that, you know, someone could do that, let alone my mom and my stepmom. And so it, it didn't, I could not wrap my head around it. And in addition to that, you know, my father had always said and always kind of made it appear that, you know, these were just like freak accidents. Um, and, you know, as a child, you're, 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 you're taught to, you know, obey your parents. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, who am I to question my own father? Right. If my father says, Hey, it's, it was an accident. What do I have to go off of to refute that? And, you know, and again, getting into these very complex situations um, and, and scenarios as a child, you, you just don't, you're not even thinking about that. Um, so after his arrest, um, I did live with uh, relatives. Um, I actually bounced around from uh, one relative to the next over the next like few years. Um, did your brother and sister go with you? Yes. Yes. My siblings went with me. Um, and then uh, something happened right around the time of uh, my father's uh, first murder trial, which took place in North Carolina. Um, something happened with like the, the courts and um, CYS or CYF, whichever, you know, people prefer to call it, but um, child use services. Um, they technically had, um, they were pretty much in control of my life and my siblings life. Um, because I technically didn't have parents. So the CYS was in charge of that. Um, there's like a court order that, you know, something happened with like a court order and, um, we were removed from my relative's care and placed into a foster home. Um, and then from there, uh, that foster home was supposed to be temporary um, until they find a more permanent foster home. Um, and they were having difficulty with that. Um, and then the decision came to actually go a little bit more public going into foster care um, because we wanted to stay together. We also wanted to um, stay in the same area uh, and they were having difficulty with that. You know, it's, it's, it's difficult to pretty much expand someone's family by three teenagers pretty much overnight. Yeah. Um, they were having a difficult time with that. Um, so uh, we got the media involved um, pretty much as kind of like a last ditch effort before they started breaking us apart and separating us. Um, and uh, that actually worked out um, where, you know, they got a ton of uh, calls, a ton of people interested in, in taking us in. And, you know, we went through the process of, you know, figuring out who we wanted to uh, stay with. Um, and so we did pick a family and uh, I stayed there until I joined the military at 18. So a couple of things to, um, you know, to, to unpack it. If, if you don't mind, you said that that day, um, your stepmother had passed. It started out odd. Like, what was it that was so odd about that day? Um, you know, I, I was, um, <laughs> I was running late for school that day. Um, you know, my, my grandmother was at the house, uh, which wasn't odd, but you know, I wasn't told about mm -hmm. it. You know, it. It wouldn't be out of the ordinary for my grandmother to pick up, um, my siblings and I and take us out to breakfast or something along those lines. But typically we're, we're informed. Um, so, you know, whenever I woke up late um, and I was rushing around um, and my sister was like, Hey, we're going to be late for the bus. And then she tells me that my grandmother's there. It's kind of like, why am I rushing to get to the bus? If grandma is going to take us yeah. out, for breakfast? you know, um, we forgot to, uh, kiss my, um, kiss our stepmom goodbye that morning. Um, that, that was, it was odd, but you know, again, we were pressed for time, yeah. you know? Um, and then of course, after school, um, you know, my aunt was there to pick us up. And then after, you know, after she took us out to dinner, 
um, you know, my parents would, would typically be home. Both of them would be home around dinner time. Um, and, and so just small, like little things, like it wasn't a normal, it yeah. wasn't typical routine wise. It wasn't a typical normal day. Um, so there's like these small things that, you know, it was just odd. Yeah. And also, you know, you mentioned the piece about the foster home and then mainly the publicity, the, you've been on forensic files. You've been on, I mean, uh, like you said, even as a child, when that was happening, the media picked up on it, like the day of and stuff. How did that looking back, you feel like impact you with all those cameras everywhere? It's odd. It, it's just, it's bizarre. It's a bizarre situation to be in. Um, you know, and even younger, um, and I think I got a little bit more, I, I think I was more self-conscious as I kind of started to grow up, um, because, you know, when 9, 10, 11, 12, I mean, how many kids are actually, you know, reading like the, the actual newspaper, um, yeah. But, you know, when you start getting into, you know, middle school and, and, and high school, um, you know, more of the kids your age are, are interested in, in current events and, you know, watching the news or watching the news with their family. Um, so and, and that's when it kind of became um, that. And then, you know, my my step my stepmom's aunt decided to, to write a book on her own, um, you know, a year or two after my father's um, second murder trial. And that was like in like 2000, 2001, when she released her book and I was still in high school. Um, and so, um, you know, it, it, and even from that standpoint, I felt like, it, it, yes, she lost someone too, but I still felt like it, it wasn't her place to, to really speak on it. Um, you know, and, and especially when you're talking about, um, you know, my mother who you've never even met, mm. um, and, uh, things like that. Um, and even the first, um, documentary that I filmed, you know, I think I was 16 or 17 at the time. And I mean, how that came about was, and I think part of it was because of that book as well was, um, you know, producers contacted me and my siblings and they're just like, hey, we're going to do this documentary pretty much on your story. Oh, hey, by the way, whether you're a part of it or not, we're going to push through and we're going to make this. So whether you're involved or not. So it's it was almost kind of like, you know, you were forced. Um, and, um, you know, I would say over the years, really the the narrative has never really been in my hands um, until now, um, which is what I'm changing. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and, and even, um, and, and I don't know if, if, if you wanted to ask me about the book or not, or if I, Oh yeah, we're getting to the book. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, the, the reasoning for, I don't know if you wanted to ask me, or if that was like, a yeah, if you, we can go ahead and talk about it now about, yeah, uh, my fits. two angels. Yep. Yeah. So the, um, so the book, my two angels, um, it's definitely something that I've thought about over the years. Um, and as I got, when I got out of the military, I wasn't quite sure if that's what I wanted to do. Um, you know, it, you are placing yourself in a very vulnerable space. Uh, state. Um, I wasn't sure if I wanted to make that pretty much kind of like my whole life. Um, and so I, I pawned over, over it. Um, and it gnawed at me over time. Um, and I would say kind of like the breaking point was, um, you know, in 2019, I, I was, I was, uh, contacted by another production company to do, you know, another documentary and, 
Um, and it sounded very different from the others that, you know, my siblings and I were part of. And, you know, they made it seem like, you know, we were going to be able to really kind of share our story because, you know, I've never felt like I've been able to tell my story from, yeah. start to be, from, from start to end and all of the things in between um, throughout. And so, you know, we were sold a, a very specific version of what this uh, documentary was to be. Um, and it turned out not to be that. Um, and, you know, there, there, there's a point where you start to realize that pretty much your life story is part of the content machine known as true crime. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's, that's great that's cool to a certain extent, you know, I'm a true crime fan. I, I watch, you know, true crime shows myself. Um, I'm intrigued by it, you know, in the military, I was military police. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I'm intrigued by it too, but you know, it, it's completely different when it's your life um, and it, this is your trauma um, and, and, and there are certain things and, you know, certain things about like how things are said or presented or, or, or filmed. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, even at one point in, um, in filming that particular uh, documentary, like, you know, um, the producer, like even approached me and said, like, does this even like affect you at all? Like what, like, it doesn't seem like this affects you at all. And I'm just like, well, what, like, what do you want from me? Like, I'm sorry, you're not getting like, the 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 shots that I'm an emotional mess like uh sorry this you know I, this may just be like a tv show for you but this is my life and They're trying to get they want that emotion that right, makes, right. makes for I'm good just, tv right and I'm just like you know like you start to realize that like you know <laughs> to, to to get to that point you know what I mean like you're, you're asking me to put myself my mental health all of that, like, and for what? Um, and, and so um, that, that was kind of like the tipping point, but, you know, there, there's definitely things that I wanted to, to, to share um, and, and want to do with my story. And, um, you know, there, there's, there's things that, you know, I've held back over the years. There's things that I've learned. Um, you know, there's things that I've encountered in my military career that has affected certain things um, because of uh, all of the trauma that I've been exposed to early in my life. So, um, you know, it, it's also a, a story of how someone can overcome multiple, you know, traumatic uh, events throughout their life, not just, you know, early childhood, but, you know, on a long-term basis, how does you know, trauma affects someone and their life. And if somebody wants to pre-order your book, My Two Angels, where can you point them to? Uh, they can go to um, my website. It's www.myweightlist.club. Okay. And they can sign up for, for the waiting list, and then you can actually pre-order the book as well. Um, if you want to. Okay, perfect. And next piece I want to talk about, you, you've mentioned, you've kind of sprinkled it in there here and there, but you joined the Air Force. Uh, you were 18, was that right, when you joined? Yes. yes. And came in as security forces. So basically, like you said, it's like a military police officer. You had 10 years active duty. And tell us about some of the stuff that you experienced. I know last time we talked, you talked about trauma triggers. You talked about an out-of-body experience that you had in Afghanistan. So um, what are some of the things that you felt like kind of lingered into your Air Force career from your upbringing? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, joining the military at 18, um, and then um, I was stationed in Louisiana uh, for my first um, duty station. And it was the first time that I really was truly on my own. Um, away from far away from family, um, far away from outside influences and um, that kind of exposure. And so uh, it, it allowed me time to 
to think about things, um, you know, and of course, going through um, the, the military police training, you know, and, and so I went through um, law enforcement type training. And, you know, and I think that just like with, you know, just being a regular um, civilian police officer as well, you know, you, you start thinking like, like a cop, you start that kind of like analytical reflective type of thinking. Um, and, and that's kind of like what happened to me, I started to really kind of start to think and, and, you know, certain things about my, my childhood and more specifically my father, it didn't, it didn't add up. Um, and so I started to question those things. And, um, you know, I was at a point where I felt like I was torn um, on one end. You know, I, I thought that he could have done it, but also at the same time, I, you know, he's my father, how could he? Um, and so I struggled with that, and particularly my first few years in, in the military. Um, and uh, it, it was another experience, and uh, another experience that I had that would kind of unlock certain pieces. Um, and that's another aspect that I'll get to is is um, some of the the experiences that I had during my military career. It it helped unlock certain pieces of my childhood. Um, and one of those was uh, right before, literally the day before leaving for Iraq, um, you know, the hotel that we were staying at had an active shooter um, incident. And um, so someone was shot inside the hotel and um, I was the first person to reach the person that was shot um, and the person, um, uh, there, there was actually, uh, a young man and presumably his little boy. And so, um, I scooped up the little boy, um, you know, he was the only one that was moving, um, and, you know, brought him to the front of the hotel and, um, you know, the young man ended up not making it, but, um, the young boy, you know, that, that kind of unlocked something for me. Um, you know, he was, he was definitely young. Um, he had to have been in the age range of two to four, um, no wow. more than two to four, no more than four. Um, he wasn't talking. So I'm not sure if, I, I, I don't remember if that's because of, he couldn't talk because of his age or if it was because- Shock. Right, the shock. But what was notable to me was like his body was physically shaking, and so, you know, that 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 it unlocked something for me. How, you know, when I think back to that and how how young someone is, like even as young as two, three years old, where something so traumatic as as that, uh, seeing and witnessing somebody being shot can, you know, trigger the, the, the trauma responses. Um, and so, you know, yes, on a conscience level, you know, he doesn't understand what's actually happening, but his body is responding. Um, and, and, you know, the shaking and all of that stuff. And, you know, there, there are certain aspects of my childhood that were, that, that were questioned. Um, you know, testimony came out in my um, father's second murder trial where I, that I had told someone that um, I witnessed my father holding my mother down and actually killing her. Um, and I don't remember that. I don't have those memories. Um, and so it was very difficult for, for me to really attach any kind of feeling to that. But seeing this young boy go through that, it, it made me realize, well, what if I was that young? And part of the reasoning why I can't remember is because, you know, that's part of the trauma. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would actually get confirmation of that. Um, after I came back from Afghanistan, uh, or after I came back from Iraq, um, 
you know, I really wanted to uh, have a sit down with my father. I wanted to, um, you know, talk to him. I wanted answers. Um, and so I sat down with him and um, at first he was resistant. Um, and then, you know, the, the second go around, the second time that I had a discussion with him, um, he kind of confessed um, to, to killing my mom. Um, and that's where I found out from him that I was actually physically present um, in the bathroom when he was holding her down. Wow. Uh, so I, that's how I know for a fact that, you know, I was there. I still, to this day, I don't remember. And, and I don't want to remember. Of course. Um, I don't want those images in my head. But um, the fact that, you know, I literally heard it from the horse's mouth. I mean, there's no greater confirmation than that. But um, I forget where I was going with this. What, what's your relationship with him today? Today, I don't have any relationship with him. Mm -hmm. um, the last time, that was actually the last time that I actually talked to him. Yeah. Um, How long ago was that? Uh, that was 2007. So Okay. It's about 14 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, talk to us about a couple more things I want to ask you about you've conquered something that majority of people out there struggle with public speaking. You're you've got your face out there on television. You go out there, you talk in front. How in the world did you overcome public speaking? That's something a lot of our listeners struggle with. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, I think that's one of probably one of the um, just natural things that God blessed me with. I, I've always have been comfortable with speaking. Mm -hmm. um, and it's actually interesting because I had a conversation not too long ago with, um, with a relative. And I think because of my trauma and especially because it happened so closely in my family, my own father, um, I'm more susceptible to actually talk and it's almost as if I am kind of letting strangers be part of my world. Whereas I, you know, I'm, I'm more resistant to people I'm, I'm closer to, if that makes any kind of sense whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, part of kind of like my, my trauma and PTSD is, is yes, I do struggle sometimes with interpersonal kind of uh, dynamics um, and I, I think a lot of that does go back to, um, some of that. Um, I, I'm, I would, it's almost as if I would trust a stranger more than I would, um, you know, somebody that, that is in my family. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and which is an interesting dynamic as well. What's your relationship like with your, uh, siblings? Oh, we're, we're relatively close. Uh, we don't mm. live in the same city, so I don't get to see them as, as much as I want them to, as, a, as much as I want to. But um, no, we, we see each other at least a few times a year. Um, I actually just got done seeing them, um, you know, over the past few weeks, got to spend time with each of them. Um, so we're, we're as close as, you know, we can be for living in multiple areas. How are they um, about your book? Are they, they pretty do supportive? Support me. Yeah, they do support me and they are supportive. Um, you know, this is something that all of us went through and I, I was very upfront with them that, you know, I'm only sharing my, my point of view yeah. um, and my story. And then of course, you know, um, the things that I've experienced, um, you know, after, you know, we kind of went our separate ways, uh, uh, you know, they went the college route and I joined the military, so. yeah. Well, what suggestions would you have or recommendations for people who are struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder? Um, I think a big one is validation. Um, you know, we, we, we touched on it a little bit as well, but um, I do believe that the military as a whole can foster a negative environment um, for that um, from, you know, comparing traumas to, you know, the, the whole tough guy persona. Yeah, that male driven, 
uh, bravado you were talking about. Yeah. Yep, yep, the male driven bravado um, to, you know, not wanting to, you know, dishonor um, people who uh, wore the uniform or people who have, you know, sacrificed themselves. Um, you know, I mean, that's, uh, I, we, we didn't really touch upon this uh, much, that much, but yeah, there's an incident in Afghanistan where I had an out of full out of body experience. And, you know, how does one validate that when, you know, there, there's, there's so many different other ways that, you know, um, there's so many other stories that, that, that veterans can, can be uh, associated with and that people experience. And, um, but, but the truth is, is that, you know, because of my predisposition of trauma and all of the trauma that I've been exposed to uh, growing up, it didn't take a whole lot for me to kind of um, get, get, get pushed to that point. And then of course, um, you know, over time, if you don't deal with things, if you don't recognize the signs, um, if something affects you, it's going to affect you. And if you don't deal with it, um, you're, you're just, you're, you're prolonging the inevitable um, because it's, it's going to manifest itself um, and it can manifest itself in many different ways. So um, that's why I think that, you know, it is important to um, to validate yourself, validate your experiences, feel what you feel. Um, and it doesn't matter what it is or what it's from or what caused it. Um, you know, what one person defines as trauma is going to be different for another. Um, yes. and, it's all, and it's all going to be based on what you've been exposed to throughout your life your experiences, your childhood, your growing up, your family dynamics, all of that comes into play in terms of um, what is what is traumatic for one uh, versus another and, and also the resiliency as well. Get help. That yeah. is a, go seek mental health, see all those different agencies uh, that are out there, but definitely go talk to someone. I had a student who, um, came in and talked to me and the longer they were talking, I was like, I think they're suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. And they went and got seen and uh, that was the case, but yeah, definitely seek help. Uh, you mentioned that out of body experience mm -hmm. uh, for our listeners out there. What exactly happened to you in Afghanistan? So in Afghanistan, I, I, I came across an individual that shouldn't be um, where he, he was in an area where he shouldn't be. And, uh, you know, at that time, there's, you know, credible intelligence that, uh, you know, suggested um, some kind of a complex attack was, was, you know, possibly in the works. And, um, and uh, so this individual, um, I was trying to ascertain why he wasn't where he needed to be. And, um, and he darted on me. Um, he ran away from me. Um, I, you know, went after him, I tackled him. And, um, you know, immediately just, um, just instincts went to, to that, you know, what, what is the greatest threat, um, that, that we had. And one of those was, you know, okay, well, a suicide bomber, or, you know, we, there, there was already, um, an incident where we had discovered that they had somehow smuggled explosives onto the base. Um, and, uh, so, you know, that, that was something that was, generally aware and you know we were just told hey keep keep your head on a swivel and you know if anything happens uh you know that's suspicious or out of the ordinary you know keep basically just that situational awareness right so um you know that, that was what went through my head and you know he was acting his behavior was getting more and more um odd you know shoving rocks and dirt in his mouth and you know just all of the behaviors was you know all of my antennas were standing up yeah. um and i i could not get control of them either so and i was i was by myself you know my, my partner was in the vehicle he had a he had a vehicle mounted um you know weapon system so he couldn't help me um you know there's afghan security guards they couldn't help me because they didn't understand me um, and so here I was, I was by myself, um, struggling with someone who I believed to be a threat, um, and I couldn't get control of them. And, 
you know, I, I, I ended up getting gassed. So gassed where, you know, I, I wanted to, to give up. I contemplated taking out my pistol and, and shooting them. Um, and um, I didn't know if I had the authority to do that. Um, mm. I didn't think I had the, the, the information that I needed to, to make that decision. And so, um, you know, I had this thought in my head, well, you know, if he, if he's going to blow himself up, just, just go ahead and do it. Um, and you know, that's, I, that's how I'll go out. And, um, from there, yeah, I, I had like this out of body experience and, um, where I ended up coming face to face with my mom and my stepmom. And, um, they, they kind of, gave me like information um, where, you know, they, they pretty much told me, you know, now is not your time. You have so much work left to do. Um, and that, that was it. And um, a after that, I, I ended up getting control of him. Um, and, you know, so that, that experience, um, yeah, it, it definitely did change a lot for me. Um, over time, it, it changed everything. I no longer wanted to be in the military. I, I, so many different things just happened. And, and the funny thing is, is that whole incident was caught on video. Um, you know, the, the position that I worked in, you know, I also worked in the, the control center. And um, the one guy, <laughs> he, uh, anybody in the military knows you don't mess with uh, government systems and computer systems and flash drives. Well, he didn't listen and he slid me a thumb drive with the video footage, um, which you know, I don't even remember the guy's name, but um, uh, I've only watched that video once um, because I, I still recall that just very vividly. Yeah. And um, but yeah, that that pretty much was it, it was a very significant uh, experience for me, a very spiritual experience for me as well. Um, and one that it, I had to it took so much time to process um, and, and wrap my head around, you know? Um, and again, not only validation, going back to validation, but, you know, you start asking yourself, did that actually happen? You know, did, did that actually happen for me? You know, and you're, you're talking about things that, you know, it, it's very difficult to explain. Um, you're, you're talking about things that, you know, you, you say to say to people and people look at you like you're like you're nuts, you know, like you do you belong in the mental institution and things like that. And, you know, the 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 stigma with that as well. So um, and, and I think that for me, that that kind of prevented me from kind of opening up and and, um, you know, so, yeah, I talk about that in my book as well, um, you know. And I'm actually only now starting to get to the point and of being comfortable with sharing that because mm -hmm. I went through the process of validating that for myself. No, I appreciate you, you open up and sharing that. And, um, you know, one more time, the book, my two angels. Now, final question for you. What do you want your legacy to be? I want my legacy to be that no matter what the situation is, you, the individual, the person has the power to change it. You have control over it. That's what I want. Yeah. A lot of people feel like they're victims of the cards that have been dealt, but you're ultimately the one in control. What uh, final words for our listeners? If you're somebody out there that, uh, you know, is questioning, you know, where, where you need to go or what you want to do with your time, whether you're in the service or out, you know, just, uh, um, just listen to, to your heart, I guess. You know, it's a good piece of advice. Um, you know, shortly after I got out, I got an amazing piece of advice from a complete stranger and, you know, I had a mental breakdown and as far as what I wanted to do and my journey and where I wanted to go. And, um, and the guy simply said, you know, the military gives you some, some really great tools. Um, and, and it is true. 
you know, focus in on that and use some of those tools. Um, and no matter what it is that you want to do, um, whether it's a career or going off on your own or, or starting a business and whatnot, um, you know, have that same kind of no quit type of attitude and just go after it. Sir, I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to be here on this episode. Thank you for your service. Thank you for sharing your story with us. And we will be sure to plug in the episode description here where they can receive uh, a copy of that book. And folks, that is going to conclude this episode of the Shadows Podcast.